Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, secrets behind the Internet of Things. I took a lesson from my kids. At the time that we started this, my kids were teenagers. Kids don't use phones because they found that text messaging is so much more efficient. And so we really incorporated instant messaging and text messaging into the whole collaboration process and took out the phone. And that's part of why we've been able to reduce that time considerably. The Internet's not just for communicating between people. It's now for communicating between equipment and other things. The Internet of Things is a big trend. A company in the middle of that is Decisive here in the D.C. region. We're now joined by Dick Hyatt, CEO of Decisive. Dick, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jonathan. Pleasure to be here. For a lot of people, I think, Internet of Things, they get this recurrent image of uh, toasters connected to the Internet, so your toast is always delivered on time. But that's not what it is, is it? Well, it's a little bit of everything. It is it is uh, generally or broadly uh, virtually anything that's connected to the Internet that uh, has any value for connecting. And we think of it a little differently because we, we kind of uh, think of it in terms of the industrial Internet of things, which are really uh, uh, more machines, trucks, construction equipment, agriculture, um, generators, where there's a real economic value in connecting them and managing them over, over the Internet. Dick, your company is involved in the Internet of Things, but... What does it do exactly? Great question. So in our analysis, what we found was that these these industrial machines, whether it's a, a, a truck, a commercial truck, or um, it's a piece of a construction equipment or agricultural equipment, the the service supply chain, really the, the pieces uh, that require that are required to fix these, maintain and fix these devices, that whole process was seriously broken. When we analyzed in the truck space, we found that each individual event, whether it was maintenance event or breakdown event, took over five days. These trucks generate a thousand dollars a day, so you're losing five to six thousand dollars every time there's a maintenance event or a, or a breakdown. And that happens three to five times a year. In that process, uh, less than 20% of the time was actually fixing the truck. The rest was trying to find information, ineffective collaboration and communication. People were using phones and faxes, and it was very disconnected. Technology could solve that problem. We could unify everybody onto a common platform. We could facilitate communication, access to information, streamline the process. And with one of our partners, Volvo Trucks, they reduced uh, their uh, their downtime events by 25%, uh, reduced the triage time to figure out what the problem was by 70%. And one of the things that's, that's interesting about that is I took a lesson from my kids. At the time that we started this, my kids were teenagers. Kids don't use phones. They haven't used phones for the last 15 years, 20 years, because they found that text messaging is so much more efficient. You can have multiple conversations, quick bursts. Anything that's time critical in their world, everything's time critical. Text is much more efficient than voice. And so we really incorporated instant messaging and text messaging into the whole collaboration process and took out the phone. And that's part of why we've been able to reduce that time considerably. And this is a this is a big trend. And I've had people say to me, and I think you've heard the same thing, the software industry is largely flattening out. There's no innovation. I mean, that doesn't, you don't buy that, do you? I, I don't. I don't. And, uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of uh, financial people and they would suggest the Internet of the industrial Internet of Things is probably the biggest segment yet in its infancy. So uh, if you think of enterprise software or consumer software, uh, most would suggest the in industrial Internet of Things is probably going to be bigger than both of those. 
So, you know, I just relate it to my business, a truck. We have a lot to do with the trucking industry. Truck rolls down the road and it has some issue. Today, as those trucks are rolling down the road, there's monitors on everything, uh, whether it's the tire inflation or tire depth, uh, oil, whatever it may be. And it's sending out signals, uh, letting everybody know that it's it's got an issue. Some of the issues are not that important. Some of them are, are potentially critical. If the Internet of Things takes off, doesn't that also create an enormous need for more infrastructure, but also a lot of cybersecurity. So is this region a particularly strong region to start in and of things companies because of that? So security is and will play a big part of this. Not a driver for us in this community, but I know that we're certainly surrounded by it. Well, one thing that uh, your business does evidence in this community is that the, the deep level of talent there is and the connections there are to people that aren't always visible. Tell us a bit about the story of, of your company and founders. It's it's very interesting, I think, indicative of the depth of entrepreneurship in the D.C. region. Uh, we've been working with the same team for about four decades. It's a team that has uh, come together um, on a variety of different businesses, almost all early stage businesses. The common thread is having technology or advanced technology really uh, change or transform an industry. And some of the examples that this group of individuals has worked together on are things like law office automation. Uh, which we we started a business here around that um, medical claims business again started a business here software engineering automotive uh, in the automotive dealer uh, sector uh, so it's really a a broad base of different technologies the common thread is technology has some transformative effect to dramatically change the way a process work or the way people work and increase productivity in some way. It also sounds to me like these are businesses that in some way benefited from the proximity of DC, for example, the legal industry, but this is not, right. and you're not a government contractor, you're not a government, you don't do government business. Yeah, so in 40 years, I've, I've made a uh, concerted effort, uh, no disrespect to all the companies that do business with the government, but the government's kind of complicated. And so all the businesses I've been involved in have been on the private sector. So you've been involved in entrepreneurship. I think when we were doing our prep before the interview, you told me you've done seven startups with this team. About seven startups. I mentioned the various different industries. Um, the, the last one prior to starting Decisive, um, it really uh, also draws from the community. It was in the telecommunication space. Transformed the way call handling and call messaging was done, um, dramatically changing that by moving it all into the IP infrastructure. So I now have this recurring image of you, you guys like the Blues Brothers and you yeah. get the band together every time you do a new, a new company. That's right. So as you uh, go through this process, you've clearly seen a lot of things. One theme that, that I've had other entrepreneurs who grow businesses here talk with me about is the difference between the investor attitudes of regional mm -hmm. investors and investors from out of region. What's been your experience and how would you differentiate an approach between the two groups. So this this group of individuals, we, we've been re reasonably successful. And so one of the things that's been kind of the characteristic of our businesses is that we self-fund them through the for early stages. So one of the challenges early stage businesses have is how do you get the initial funding? Um, and how do you really prove your technology or prove your process? So we self-fund until we get to the point where we've got traction in the industry uh, or in whatever specific thing we're doing. And then we look for outside capital. And uh, when we look for outside capital, we really break it into two parts. Uh, one is venture capital, which is now morphed into venture capital, growth capital, you know, uh, private equity. It's a, there's so much money, it's hard to tell one from the other. And corporate, uh, corporate capital. On the venture side, uh, we've noticed, and we were talking about this earlier, such a big difference between the West Coast venture firms and the East Coast or almost everybody else. So we really look towards New York, Boston, D.C., 
uh, and all the way down into North Carolina. One of our growth equity investors is from North Carolina. There's a big there's a big difference we've seen from the attitude and the approach that the kind of East Coast there's there's a difference, um, and it's mostly looking for um, on the East Coast looking for companies that are up running. Let less consumer oriented, much more corporate oriented or enterprise oriented. If I told you that statistics show that the exit value for DC based VC companies is actually better than other regions, you wouldn't be surprised then. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. You know, you'll have the, the, the unicorns coming out of the West Coast. There aren't many of them that are funded uh, out here, I suspect, um, on the consumer space. Uh, but, uh, you know, those are. While they make great stories, they're pretty unusual. Yeah, the Airbnb unicorns of the world are exciting, but people who get up every day and make things happen is what makes this region great. Exactly. A lot of people think that in order to get a team to work together well again and again, you need foosball tables, Nerf, you know, new we have arrows. Those. You know, <laughs> yeah. But what makes a team want to keep doing it? The foosball table isn't why they get up in the morning. Uh, they get up in the morning because... They have the same burning vision and burning desire to change an industry, make it make people's lives better. And I, again, that sounds trite, but it is true. That's the burning vision, the driver that really motivates them is they make a difference every day, every hour. They can impact an industry, impact the customers that we do business with. Dick Hyatt, CEO of Decisive. Thanks for sharing your entrepreneurial story with us and good luck with growing your company. Thanks very much. And that was another episode of What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman, and my producer, Tracy Madigan, we both remind you that what matters is how you think we're doing. So don't forget to direct message us at, at What's Working DC if you've got a story idea. And do tell your friends to subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. And you know what? If you can take the time to rate our show, it'll help spread the word that this show is hitting an important chord for the entrepreneurial business community here and what you and I agree is one of the most interesting places to be an entrepreneur in the entire world. So we'll see you next time. Goodbye.